Hello and welcome back to Subspace Radio. I'm Kevin. And I am Rob. And for the second time in short succession, we are gathered here today to remember a lost but not forgotten member of Star Trek royalty. Every time we uh, try and get away, we're drawn back in. We were meant to have yes. an extended break and sadly we're, we're back for not the reasons we'd like to come back. I am tempted, just because I'm in podcast energy, I'm tempted to make a joke that Star Trek should stop taking breaks because people die. Yeah. But uh, that would be in poor taste, so I won't make that joke. I'm glad you didn't make that joke because it would have been important. <laughs> <laughs> we dodged a bullet there. Sure did. Nichelle Nichols has left this earth, Rob. She has, and it's the... When you get to original crew of the Enterprise discussions, they are all such powerfully important and uh, loved figures within not only this franchise, but within all lovers of pop culture and nerddom and fandom and stuff like that. So when any one of them transports up to their next level of existence, there's going to be a lot of outpouring of emotion and a lot of reflection on what they have actually contributed to this world. But when it comes to Nichelle Nichols, it's no understatement of saying that she changed the face of television and she changed the world. It's such a few small numbers of people who can easily say their presence in this show opened up so many doors and mm. created a better world. Nichelle Nichols is one of those celebrities that the closer you look, the more there is there. Yes. I think few celebrities stand up to that level of scrutiny, and perhaps that level of scrutiny is unfair. But in Nichelle Nichols' case, she took what little she was given and <laughs> made more of it than almost anyone I can imagine. And that's something very, uh, very telling. What opportunity she was given within the time that she was on the show and the approach towards people of color and approach to women. But what she was given, like you said, she added so much more and it takes a hell of a good actor to be able to do that like we talked about last week good actors take what they've been given and give so much more back she was such a bright star that she shone brightly in in the smallest corner of the sky like she she is often that character stuck in the back corner of a shot for an episode mm -hmm. and yet your eye is drawn to her she is acting her butt off at every moment, yeah, you look at her in the background of some stories in which she was criminally underserved. Yes. And she is working so hard to create a character with so little time and so little words. It's amazing. There is the story of Nichelle Nichols' participation in the Star Trek franchise, the difference she made in the world for black people, for black women, early representation, all of the, those young girls who got to see themselves in a vision of the future and create careers in science, careers in space, careers of every kind, thanks to her presence, her visible presence on that bridge. And that is a huge story. It's a story that fans of Star Trek will know involves Dr. Martin Luther King talking her into not quitting the show at the end of the first season because she wasn't getting much to do. And there is that story. 
And I encourage, if you haven't heard it, listener, I encourage you to go and read it. There yeah. are many great articles on the web this week about Nichelle Nichols celebrating her legacy. Mm-hmm. Make a point of reading just one if you don't know that story. But for us here today at Subspace Radio, our modus operandi is to dive into the past of Star Trek, pick out a few episodes, and talk about why they are resonating with us this Mm. week. And we're going to do that with Uhura, our original Uhura, Nichelle Nichols. We're going to celebrate her brightest moments, her best episodes. And Rob and I have each grabbed a couple. I wouldn't be surprised if we double up on some of them and get to talk a bit more about them. I focused on my first introduction with her. The movies. The movies. Well, I did not steer clear of the movies, so there. So we might be hitting on some similar ground. Yes, but I will rewind us to the original series for my first one here. Excellent. And uh, having spent some time this week revisiting the original series and looking for those best moments, first of all, I will say again, it is shocking how few and far between they are. Mm. And even Uhura's strongest episodes, she is a small part of Yeah, them. There is not a single episode of the original series that is focused on Uhura That's right. or that tells an Uhura story. Yeah. We're starting to get that now in Strange New Worlds. But looking well, back the into yeah. the 1960s... Nichelle Nichols had to crawl her way through so indeed. that the future actors could fly. But the one that stood out to me the most in those 1960s episodes is season two, episode 10, Mirror Mirror. Ah, yep. Yep. A popular choice. The introduction of the Mirror Universe, a well that the franchise has returned to again and again, most recently in Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. But it is amazing. That is such a great episode. I forget how good it is. And each time I go back, I am amazed of just... For a episodic TV series in the 1960s, the idea to create an alternate universe version of the ship, of all the characters, a lore for that universe that made all your characters be their evil twins, effectively. It's incredible for the time. This is a a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe sort of what-if episode in the 1960s. I'm always fascinated by the concept of parallel universes and especially how it's interpreted in its early era, because it as a concept has only been in popular culture quite recently. So that mm. when you go back to the 1960s and 70s and find any examples of it, yes, it's always fascinating to see those timid steps towards yeah. it. I love how Star Trek has kept the Mirror Mirror legacy on. So me being a Deep Space Nine fan, I've loved the Mirror episodes there with an incredibly strong cast relishing that exploration of the evil goatee universe. But it all started with Mirror Mirror. In Mirror Mirror, for those who may not have seen this uh, old but classic episode, definitely worth revisiting. It starts with a landing party of four. Captain Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, and Uhura are beaming up to the Enterprise during an ion storm. And there is a transporter malfunction that sees them transposed with their alternate universe selves. And they materialize in the transporter room of 
the USS Enterprise in a universe in which the Federation is a force of evil. Mm. They are a conquering, dominating force. And instead of peacefully negotiating with the planet they are orbiting, they are there to to steal the, the dilithium resources of that planet or destroy them for resisting. And Captain Kirk is, finds himself with orders to annihilate the planet below. Our four members of our crew stuck in this alternate universe do their best to fit in and pretend to be their evil alternate selves while working out a plan to find their way home. And if they can, leave that alternate universe a little better than they found it. <laughs> so, yeah, a great time. Unsurprisingly for the time, very quickly, this episode focuses in on the three men of the landing party. Of course. Collaborating to escape this evil enterprise. And Uhura only has a couple of scenes, two, three scenes in this episode. But boy, are they memorable ones, especially because she is on the bridge and she is like in the nerve center of the ship. She's like the ears for her male crewmates, letting them know what's going on on the ship. And in particular, dodging the eye of security chief Sulu. Yes. Who is monitoring the activities with increasing suspicion. And in particular, there's a moment where they, they need to tie in the power of the warp engines into the transporter and that's going to light up a light on Sulu's security board so Uhura has to distract him. Sulu has given her the tools she needs by professing his adoration in a pretty creepy rapey way and watching her deal with that despite the cringe factor it shows us the strength of Uhura. When it comes time to distract him she steps down to his station and turns on the charm just long enough to avert his gaze and mm -hmm. then gives him a big smack across the face. The power of her acting, the power of her midriff, the power of her slap. <laughs> it is a powerful midriff. I'm glad you highlighted Look, it. Look, yeah, she is a master of all trades and she put them all on display in those scenes. Yeah. Only three and she made them work. She's armed with a dagger and an emery board, if I'm not mistaken, yep. in that scene. And Sulu has a great big scar down his face, so he's looking extra evil. But yeah, he cuddles up, and then as soon as the task is done, she slaps him across the face and says, I'm sorry, I changed my mind. <laughs> and it is just like, it is using the fact of her objectification as a weapon. Yes, and the fact that she, she does that and owns it and seems powerful because of it. It is so cool to see. It's very much a gimmick of writers using, not just within science fiction, but to play the whole card of there are some guards or there's something that needs to be distracted. Well, luckily we've got a woman character involved because you know what they can do. They can <laughs> bring on the sex. But how an actor at that time yes. claims it and owns it and makes it work and gives them that position of power in something that is quite a demeaning role to be given. So like, oh, mm. we, need, we need a sexy distraction. All right, rip it out. So much so that this type of sexy distraction stays with Uhura for decades to come. Are you taking us where I think you're taking I us? I need to take us back. <laughs> to the final frontier, Kevin. All right. We're back in Star Trek V Final are, Frontier. Take us through it. Yes, we are not only doing a Star Trek podcast, but we are speaking two weeks in a row 
about Star Trek V. Amazing. Who would have thought? The one thing that really stood out for me while watching Star Trek V again is uh, one factor is that William Shatner does need a director to tell him to stop. But also, it's actually one of the best, better films. Actually, I'd say the best film to really show off Ahura out of yes. all the films. It's the best one for her because there's some really interesting stuff in there for Ahura to do. She's got this really out-of-the-blue connection with Scotty, which you're there going, this is something I hadn't seen before. There's a tenderness there and a mm. flirtiness and a mm. maternal type of, but there's like going, is there something going on? Is there, is this something, am I happy about this? Am I not happy about this? Yeah. But the one thing we need to remember is that Uhura is like fourth in charge of the Enterprise. Yes. After Kirk, Spock and McCoy, it's Uhura. And that's never explored because she existed in the 1960s where it was a powerful statement and a beautiful move to show a future where a woman of color can be in a position of power. But they... And we, there were plenty of examples of Scotty being given the helm in yeah. the series, but Uhura never got it. But in Star Trek V, while Kirk McCoy and Spock are out uh, camping and Sulu and Chekhov are trying to find them. I love that opening of Star Trek V. It is quite fan service uh, but in a good way. They make a point at the start of this movie to give every character a beat so you can remember who they are. Yes. And what's fun and funny about them. Exactly. And that scene where, where Sulu and Chekhov are lost in the forest and refuse to admit it, and Uhura's on the communicator. The skies have cleared. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That it, opening it, part really does great service to Uhura because she's the one there, like that opening shot when she comes in, like Scotty's complaining and she just struts in with this leadership and makes fun of Scotty and has got food for him. She's like, they'll come out as a derogatory joke, but the mother hen of yeah, all these yeah. foolish young. She calls them all back together. Yeah. And they're all old men trying to be boys and they're very childish <laughs> and she just goes you guys need to come here you guys and that shot of her when she lands the shuttle with the white light behind her to find them and yeah. she's just going come on you called in it's a really powerful moment she's just she's in charge she knows the ship she's dealing with all these petulant immature old men and yes. putting them into place and plus i'm gonna say it people make fun of it after seeing it for the first time in about 15, 20, yeah, 15 years, I'm there going, I don't care. I love the fan dance. Okay. <laughs> and for Aurora to do that in almost complete, you know, nuttiness and, yeah. and especially the line when, you know, the guys crawl up and it's so yes. funny and they do. And I think one of them does almost a wah, wah, yeah. or goes, oh man, Aww. oh no. So. We talked last episode about the planet of galactic peace, Nimbus 3. There's a stronghold on it that the crew are infiltrating. Mm -hmm. They need to distract some, <laughs> some riders so that they can steal their horses. And in order to distract them, Uhura stands up on a sand dune, backlit by the moon, mm -hmm. and sings her heart out with fans that came from somewhere, does a, a seductive fan dance. The fourth person in charge of the Enterprise, That's the right. flagship of right. the Federation, strips down to just two fronds and <laughs> and does that for the team. Lie back and think of England or the Federation. 
The guards crawl up the sand dune and she pulls a <laughs> phaser on them. One of several memorable times that Uhura pulls phasers on people over the years. Yep. It's always fun. Going back to Mirror Mirror, she steals a phaser from the captain's mistress Marlena in the transporter room at the end and holds it on her. And it's it's a cool power move every time. Uhura, Nichelle knows how to point a phaser at someone. One of my favorite images when I made a post online, I was mm. trying to find the perfect image to represent my Uhura representation, yeah. my Nichelle memory. And I picked a shot from Star Trek VI when they'd arrived at the conference and they're all desperately going into place. And there's this great shot with Nichelle up the front and the others are behind. And she's just holding that phaser ready to go out. And yeah. that a great sequence where they're all just scrambling through to get to the president and save him. And there's this great shot of her holding the phaser, looking like a complete badass. Speaking of Uhura pointing phasers at people, I'm going to take us to Star Trek Three. Yes. Star Trek Three does suffer from Uhura not being as present as one might hope. She is there at the beginning and then doesn't go with the crew when they steal the Enterprise. And doesn't show up again until the end. That's right, yeah. But she is instrumental in the crew making its escape with that ship. She manages to get herself stationed in a transporter room at Starfleet Command and is working there late on a late night shift with a young officer who's come to be known as Mr. Adventure <laughs> because he's telling her, you know what, Uhura, it's really admirable that you would work here. You're a Starfleet veteran and your career is winding down and you're not above working a transporter room late at night. And you can see Uhura not respond particularly favorably <laughs> to the suggestion that her career is winding down. The bridge crew that is about to steal the Enterprise barges into the room and she gets to work setting them up on the transporter pad in order to beam on board the ship. Mr. Adventure's like, what's going on? Who are these people? Oh my God, that's Captain Kirk. Do you know who that is? And Uhura says, yes, and you are going to sit in the closet. And she points a phaser at him, backs him into the closet, and he does a comedy sit down and the door <laughs> slides shut in front of him. And she reassures Admiral Kirk that she will have Mr. Adventure eating out of her hand <laughs> after they're gone. And rightly so. It almost redeems the fact that she then disappears for the rest of the movie until she meets up with the rest of the crew on Vulcan. On Vulcan. The That's the thing, you're there going... And you want to leave that member of the crew there. Yeah. What they've yeah, just exactly. done, but you don't want to take them with you. <laughs> All right. Okay. Can't As really... McCoy says, I'm glad you're on our side. <laughs> and because I have got a moratorium against watching Star Trek Three ever again. Thank you for reminding me of one bright spark in that. Uh... I'd say it's worth watching up until the point that the Enterprise has been stolen. And then you could maybe stop. Yes, and I do remember, of course, Sulu saying, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me Tiny. Don't call me Tiny. With his very leathery cape. If mm. we didn't know that George Akai was gay, I mean, come on, seriously. Yeah. Oh, I love that whole sequence. They're all like flipping IDs out of their breast pockets. Yeah. And it's very cool. I always get very excited when that's like uh, Federation people in civvies. Yeah. You know, you don't get to see them in the 23rd century. I'm doing inverted commas, what they wear as fashion. 
So poor Chekhov though, and his pink top with a giant white collar. It, yeah, uh, yeah, he was not well served. He he uh, lost out then, and then he had to wear it again for another whole movie <laughs> until he's in a gurney. <laughs> Where would you like to take us next? We're jumping around. We're going from five to three. Let's go to four. Star Trek four. four, The Voyage Home is my favorite of the Star Trek movies. That's the first one I saw and I've just fallen in love with it. And so Mm -hmm. then I alternate between either Wrath of Khan or Undiscovered Country as my second favorite. But Voyage Home, I always have to claim it's just a masterpiece. And it's great. You've got Ahura actually out on a mission. She doesn't stay. She's out with Chekhov fighting stuff. There's the iconic scene, which there's been a lot of debate about what is improvised. Did these people know all this type of stuff with the Alameda scene, looking for the nuclear vessels, nuclear vessels, nuclear vessels, doing great work to refine and find the exact frequency of what the probe is. She does a mm-hmm. lot of great work with her, like her. Uh, she becomes a mix a lot with her finding out what specific animal and how to capture it and doing it underwater, all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. And she stands accused of insurrection, which is uh, completely badass. Yeah, right into the depths of it to go back in time and uh, and save the world as you yeah. do. And she does a lot. She's got a lot to do. They gave her a lot to do in that episode, and she's out on location with everybody and having a great laugh and being quite heroic as well. So the infiltration of the nuclear ship when she and Chekhov go on board to collect whatever they collect from the nuclear reactor on the ship. For a long time, that was a sequence I always forgot was in this movie. Mm. And I think it's because I block it out. It, It feels so perilous. They are beaming onto and sneaking through a nuclear vessel and there are security dogs and people running on catwalks above their heads and there's this sense that at any moment they could get caught and i like yourself i saw this movie very young Mm. and i remember being frightened by the peril that these characters were in in that moment it feels more dangerous than any other part of this movie to me definitely when they're about to be caught on that ship and Um, yeah because there's a lot of those 80s time travel stuff like the Philadelphia Experiment or the final countdown where you get that sense of it feels very 80s. There's nothing more like an 80s time travel film, even Back to the Future, but those ones are dark and gritty and it gets like that within that moment and it balances that out with Chekhov being left behind and go, Swati, now would be a good time. <laughs> um, and the interrogation scene is is very 80s. Yes. Um, and that's where the humor comes, but that tension there is real and beautifully done. And the con- commitment and the conviction of Nichelle and Walter to actually hit that threat is palpable. I agree. Mm. Uh, it's real good. Yeah. It's surprising how infrequently Uhura got to go on a mission and get something dangerous done. Yep. Yep. It's a crying shame, but you know, now we have Uhura going out on missions as an ensign all the time. And, well, uh, I'm glad you reminded me of that. I forgot that scene. I, If you'll permit me, I've got... I just want to rapid round a couple of other ones that were on go my for list. It. Go for it. If we're in the movies, Star Trek VI and the scene in which they are um, avoiding using the universal translator by speaking real Klingon to the people as they make their way to Rurapenthe. Yeah. And they have the books open and they're scrambling to come up with the translation. And Uhura is like riding the mute button to jump on and say a few words of broken Klingon to not raise suspicion. 
And in the final moments of that scene, the Klingon on the line is just going, ha, 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 inviting them to laugh along. So the entire crew go, <laughs> whoa, ha, ha, ha. And then Uhura are like, let's go of the mute switch. And just that dry, God, I, I'm so happy I'm off that call. Yeah. Um, look on her face. I think it's the last comic beat we get from Uhura. Yeah. In, in all of Star Trek history. And it is such a sweet one. I, That is one of my favorite moments from that film is just when she lets go of that button and goes, enough with you, Mr. Klingon. It is a nice, it is a nice moment. And there's a nice little coda at the start of the film when they're called into the meeting and everyone's so casual. What are we doing here? Well, maybe it's a retirement party. And she goes, I got to go back to the academy. I'm teaching. And he goes, yeah. That's, right. That's a really beautiful moment of going, damn right, she's a teacher. I would love to have been in Ahura's class. Back in the original series, Charlie X, the second episode of the series by airing order, who has a very memorable song. She's singing with Spock, who's playing the Vulcan lute. This is one of those early scenes where Spock is suspiciously smiling a, a lot. <laughs> but Uhura gets to sing, and she gets to sing a great verse uh, about how the Vulcan's devilish ears and devilish eyes will steal your heart from you. And it is just, it is Nichelle Nichols doing what Nichelle Nichols does best. <laughs> and I should let her uh, do Singing more a sexy song for the entire room. Um, uh, it's real good. It unfortunately ends creepily as Charlie X steals her voice away and creeps on uh, Yeoman Rand. But that first verse is great. Just, just stop after the first yeah, verse. Focus on that. What else you got? Plato's Stepchildren is an awful, horrible episode of Star Trek with the first interracial kiss to air on U.S. television. Not the first aired in the world. No, it was done in the U.K. Yeah, some, some just nondescript soap opera. Yeah, that's right. But definitely watershed moment for black people on TV. It is unfortunate that at the time, both characters had to be possessed by aliens yeah. and being laughed at through the entire scene in order for that to happen. Yeah. But they made it happen. And that's the thing is that everyone focuses on the interracial kiss, and that's a mm. good thing to focus on because then you go, ah, but that's right. Both characters were under the influence. Ah, yeah. And it's in one of the worst episodes of the original Star Trek series ever. But yeah, as long as you don't focus on that part, it's a watershed moment. I want to nod in respect to that episode. I don't recommend anyone go and watch it for a good time. You watched it so nobody else has to. I did not watch it, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I will not admit to watching that. <laughs> and then finally, a high note for our Uhura. This is uh, one that most people will not have seen. And I must admit, I had not seen until I had the reason to watch it this week. It is the animated series... Episode four, The Lorelei Signal, in which Uhura, at long last, takes command of the Enterprise. The Lorelei Signal is, it's a similar case of, it is a shame all of these things had to go wrong in order to put Uhura <laughs> in a position of making history. But the Enterprise is entrapped by a planet of women who, because they are stranded alone on their planet, they must lure in shipfuls of men in order to, to regenerate themselves by stealing their life forces. Damn right. So it's a siren song sort of signal that lures in the Enterprise because all of the male officers are smitten by this yeah. signal. What a way to and go, huh? Uhura is standing at the back of the bridge going... This doesn't make any sense to me. Why are we going to this planet? All these men are behaving strangely. And she calls Chapel to the bridge and says, are you seeing this? This doesn't really make sense to me. But 
the men beam down and have their life uh, forces stolen. But meanwhile on the ship, Uhura says, you know what? Uh, I've had enough. I'm taking command of this ship. And she orders that all of the transporters be guarded by security teams of only women. And Beautiful. Chapo goes, what are you doing? And, she, and Uhura says, I'm taking command of this ship. I'll take responsibility for it. And she records a log saying, if ever this comes back to me, I take full responsibility. But from then on, she is in Captain Uhura mode. Fantastic. She leads a phaser-armed landing party of female officers down to the planet, kicks some butt, and rescues the bridge crew, or the rest of the bridge crew. Heroic episode for Uhura. It is still a low-budget animated 30-minute cartoon from <laughs> the early 70s. So it is not the production values you are perhaps hoping for, given that outline. But it was on the show, wasn't it? It was four in a shell. She performed the voices of four separate characters in that episode, including the lead antagonist, the Amazing. leader of the women on the planet. Amazing. Yeah. Sad yeah. state of affairs when they go, we're going to give you yeah, a whole episode to yourself in animation form. In half an hour. And you're going to have to supply the other voices as well. <laughs> you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. welcome. Yeah, yeah. I have heard good things about that. I would like to go and explore that one. Well, there you go. That's our tour of Nichelle Nichols as Niota Uhura. Of course, we have many seasons of new Uhura stories to look forward to on Strange New Worlds. And who knows, we might even see Zoe Saldana back to play her if we get a fourth Star Trek film in the J.J. Abrams universe. Yes, if that ever happens. Yeah, but um, the original Uhura will still always be the best Uhura, according to me. Um, and there is a great article in The Hollywood Reporter written by current Uhura. Celia Rose Gooding has written a wonderful article about uh, the legacy of Nichelle Nichols. So I highly recommend you all read that. Amazing. Thanks, Rob. Let's make it a happier reason to record a podcast next time. Definitely. Anyone out there from any form of Star Trek, just stay healthy, okay? Just hold on. Just watch, just stay at home, watch Lower Decks like I am so I can catch up. Kevin's well ahead of me. He knows everything, so he's being very good. He's not letting any spoilers go. Just watch that, okay? Just chill out, keep safe. Yeah. You're precious. We need you. We, we need, need you. you. The world needs you. It's a dark place right now. We need all the hope we can get. 